Backbone Takeover. We're here with Jeff and Tuck from Featured X. Uh, boys, how we doing? Oh, doing great. Hi. <laughs> uh, Featured X currently has 551 vocalists, 136 guitarists, 92 drummers, 49 bassists. Is that not like the most accurate representation of like a band hierarchy ever? Or like what's what's the go? <laughs> Wow, I, I didn't even think of it like that until now. Everybody but, wants to be the singer, man. Um, yeah, I think you're 100% correct, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what's funny, too, going along the lines of that? I think today's new example of everybody wants to be the singer or the front person is also... Um, there's these people who have to, I'm the singer in the band. I write all the music. I do everything. I manage, you know, I run the band, all this shit. Like you all just get to be in my band. Yeah. And that shit's got to stop too. It's yeah, awful. Absolutely. It's like, how fucking smart do you think you are guy? Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, Tuck, you're, you being a bassist, I've, I'm a massive advocate for bass players and I hate, the idea of when I see metalcore bands especially come out with a backing track bass. Um, it's something that happens. Oh, there's yeah. a few bands in Australia who do it, and every time I see it, especially oh, live. I know you're talking about one primarily. Well, well Gravemind? Oh, no, but the, I make... Actually, that's a good one, but I, I do poke fun at those boys, but I love them too. Hi, Dylan. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, every podcast. <laughs> yeah, every podcast they come up and I have to... You know, I feel okay ripping them publicly because I also rip them privately. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> but I do really like that band, but I don't fucking get it. Like, why can't someone just like play bass? Like, it's not that bad. Like, I know that you're like, oh, if I play bass, like, no girl's ever going to think I'm hot or like whatever. <laughs> like, just fucking do it, guy. Like, you're going to be okay. It's all right. You'll get through it. I always, I always make the arguments like you wouldn't hear, you wouldn't see a band with a backing track drummer or anything like that. <laughs> like, that would, that would be really I have weird. seen that. Really? Oh, yes. There was a wave in like, man, like probably maybe like the 2005 timeline where there was like a bunch of weirdo, like gr- experimental grind Corey bands that had like drum machines instead of drummers and stuff. Where we were from, at least. That's Grindcore was pretty big for a hot second. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Tuck, I want to go to you. What was uh, what was better, launching Featured X or watching Katy Perry at Warp Tour? You know, that's tough to say. I I guess Featured X was pretty fun because that was the first time I think I've broken the internet. But also, like, Katy Perry's sick, dude. Like, she called me after that Warp Tour and she was like, hey, I know, like, you're with your friends and, like, the you're in an off-road minivan. But, like, if you want to make out, I'll make out with you. So, like, we hooked up, you know what I mean? Like, it's cool. <laughs> um, but she didn't want to stay with me. You know, I wasn't anything back then. <laughs> what, what what songs did what songs did Katie have back then? Like, cause did you it, know it was back just then? primarily that I kissed a girl? Yeah, yeah. I have my buddy Adam. I was playing in a pop punk band at the time um, with these two other guys I went to high school and college with, and they Adam has always been really into pop music. He was a big advocate. Still, like writes like sync and pop music and stuff like that. That's his yeah. main thing. And um, he shout out Adam Nielsen and um. Yeah, he just he loved Katy Perry. And he so we sat and watched her. I didn't really know who she was other than that song. But that was about the time that she started to really blow up. And that's really cool. I've gotten lucky a couple times to like catch artists before they they blow up. I think the coolest one for me was seeing Paramore in a 
what how big's the loft jeff 350 yep. cap 350 yep. cap room not headlining you that's know, pretty was, like and like even those early warp tour lineups like i know um like mike posner played one back in the day like it, the lineups were like crazy diverse back then there's been some really interesting I, bands that have gone on the warp tour circuit man like, i remember we had mike posner on bamboozle in 2010 before that song took off and i literally sat with him at his signing in the vip tent because no one went to his signing because no one knew who he was yet so i just sat down next to him and took a five minute break and chit chatted with him and was just like don't worry man like when we have you back here in a year or two you'll be one of the headliners like he was kind of bummed out yeah and then cooler than me dropped and like everything changed yeah yeah like literally a couple months later i think and that's when you see these people that have incredible taste when they're booking these festivals and i've seen that quite a few times with bamboozle as well where they've booked artists that i'm like who the heck is that and then all of a sudden they blow up and a lot of stuff in hip-hop too like y'all had mac miller early on you had a lot of really cool stuff in early iterations of bamboozle but what were you gonna say no you you look at some of like at the like the 2012 lineup on the hip hop side stage, and then there was like Iggy Azalea and Action Bronson and yep. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, what does that what does that teach you? I guess because like Warp Tour, you know, again in Australia, you don't have many markets, and there aren't really many touring festivals. There hasn't really been one for a while. What does a Warp Tour when you're doing so many dates in so few days? What does that teach you? Is that like does that just build up work ethic? Is can you like is that manageable? Because like a lot of people have come yeah. out and said they just as a singer they couldn't speak after shows because they just need to get ready for the next one kind of thing. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Except for I, Kirby was um, such a warrior. One, we were harder than all the other bands because we did it in a van and not a yeah. bandwagon or a bus, which was a shit show. Um, but. Warp Tour does teach great work ethic. Um, you can, if you, for instance, Ryan, he would sit at the tent all day, every day, trying to sell merch with our merch guy. And that would get kids to stop and talk to him and buy stuff. And that helped us, I think, to grow closer to our fan base and to help to succeed. And, you know, we tried to always capitalize on Warp Tour and be out there as active as possible because. That's the other thing is when you don't have a um, bus or like a bandwagon to to hide on, it was all day. I was either lifting weights. I was getting tan. I was eating food. I was talking to people. I was out like just busting it all the time. And it it was great. It was some probably the coolest experiences of my life um, as a young musician. I mean, other than like those crazy big shows you play every once in a blue moon or whatever. Warp Tour was the dream. That was the thing that every kid wanted to do. Do you think it'll come back? I no. So. I don't think so, but I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense right now. And I've spoken about this before, so I'll just like get through pretty quick. But essentially, the biggest problem with Warp Tour was a lot of the headlining bands who had built their themselves up on Warp Tour, the pair more day to remember big bands you know bring me the horizon all that kind of stuff those are the bands you need to come headline warp tour but at that same time for that money or they could get more money to play inside in a club all summer long and only be out with four bands so financially it gets to a point where you're you're almost just like doing a favor right but 
that I don't know. I, I wish it would happen, but it's just I just don't think it's going to happen. I was um, reading an article uh, talking you about your top five metalcore albums of all time. And your number yeah. two was Architects Hollow Crown. Yeah. Uh, that was like a at the time when that came out, that was pretty massive. Architects kind of changing their sound. And I think Sam Carter came. That might have been Sam's first album. And it was one of those things where like everything kind of stopped. What do you remember about that that time period? I had never heard anything like it. The, what made me stumble upon it was I heard um, we're all alone on the Dead Swan split that they put out right before this record. So when the record came out, I was like anticipating it. And I just had never heard a vocal style like that. And it was one of the first bands in a while where I was just like, I'm going to scream this in my car. It feels anthemic. The choruses are massive. Every lyric is good. Every melody is good. Every riff is good. Like if, you know, like follow the water, like if you put that shit on and you don't get emotional or want to bash someone in the face, like you're, you don't like this shit. Yeah. And it was just catching a band before they were big. Like everybody loved to do that. Everyone liked to have a favorite band and be like oh i listened to it before you did but that was just one of those bands that i heard and i've liked every iteration of them even like um what was like daybreaker or something like the one that's after it i forget day something um you know it's always been good but they are original they there's a reason why now you have so many bands that are trying to be like them and they think that doomsday is this like new thing but really they've been riffing like that for a long time people have been trying to cop their shit for a long time yeah so that um that sound from like lost forever lost together especially that album like still gets copied today like as like almost like a blueprint for uh for bands to come through and you were saying before like the the idea of like when you're a music fan i say this all the time this is the idea of you know you want to you want to catch a band before they blow up and there's something quite there's something quite fun about it as well as being able to say to your mates that ha like i caught them before you did there's something you feel like you're growing with them and i think that's why the australian scene is doing so well right now is because i think everybody kind of is looking for that next band whether that be alpha wolf or whether that be you have a lot of great bands in your circuit right now yeah it's it's really over the last few years we've developed like a shit ton of bands like polaris of course have taken off the way they have but we've got like ocean grove justice for the damned thornhill like i love justice Dude, I love just un- unbelievable band. Like we saw yeah. them last year, probably I think it was like the last show before quarantine hit at um some festival, and they had the they had the biggest crowd the whole day, and that was a festival headlined by Knock Loose. And like Knock Loose back then, you know, it, Knock Loose anytime's massive, but like you know, Knock Loose back then, like it was that was like six months after a different shade of blue popped off. Like it was just it was massive. Yeah. Uh something else I want to talk about with you, Tuck, is you're a massive fan of quote unquote trash TV. And I oh, kind of you know, baby. <laughs> uh, you said the, you quoted The Bachelor kind of uh, being one of your favorites. Are there any other shows that kind of come to mind? Do you have Married at First Sight over in the States or like those kind of shows? Yeah, I don't watch Married at First Sight. Um, I have a little bit, but I'm going to watch um, the one that has Buka on yeah. it when she does it. Because I hit her up after because she's on Featured X and I hit her up when I saw her post it. And I was like, are you for real? Like, this, this, <laughs> I love all the Bachelor stuff. I'm a big fan of the Bachelor Nation. Big part of it. All about it. I love 90 Day Fiance too. 90 Day yeah. Fiance is really, really outrageously good. Um I love like I was just wa- this weekend. I binged watched the whole first season of Rock of Love. Um, like, <laughs> yes! I love that yes! stuff. Daisy yeah. of Love, Flavor of Love. 
anything Jersey Shore related. Yeah. Anything Jersey Shore related. I'm all about. Yeah, just trash TV because it's fun. It's Did you were, were you more of a, a Pauly D guy or a situation? Because you kind of catch me as oh, a Pauly D. Pauly D. Yeah, I guy. love Pauly D. I thought that he was just so um, so nice, and uh, I always was, wish I could get my hair out like him. Yeah, he was like kind of tasteful for Guido. You know, he wasn't as insane as Mike was. <laughs> you know, and that was pretty cool. And actually, Snooky was from our area. Um, really? Yeah, she was the princess of Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I actually, actually, the vocal booth in which I recorded the vocals for the off-road minivan record, she recorded the voiceover for her book. No way. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, and actually and your, from some weirder history is Mike Ferry the bassist from We Are the In Crowd rode in the back of the same limo to her senior prom <laughs> no shit yeah. small world right Yep, very small. Jeff, you you mentioned uh, Poughkeepsie just before, and I was just kind of like doing little background on everyone, and I saw like back in 2013, you were just tweeting nonstop about Poughkeepsie, uh, not being too favorable on it at the time. Um, Would you have a problem with Poughkeepsie? (laughs) Jesus, dust through my Twitter. This is going to get I know. Look, I have to let it (laughs) I had to leave a lot out, but no, I'm not kidding. But Poughkeepsie just just kept coming up. So... You know, I have a I love Poughkeepsie so much that I can hate it sometimes. Yep. And after years and years and years of literally killing myself to because it's a fucking shithole of a market. It's a C market. It's, you know, in the middle of a bunch of good markets, but it sucked. But it was our it was our home and it was ours. So I wanted to make it as good as possible. And just after so many years of trying to do it, and there was just like a bunch of weird things that happened towards the end of different people just being shady and different crap like that. So I don't yeah. know. It's just you know, it's our it's our shithole, but you know, and Jeff made that little city too. I mean, when it comes to the music scene, we didn't have one the moment that he left. It wasn't because I still stayed in, you know, I live in the city now, but I still stayed in the area and lived upstate for a long time. And it wasn't like <clears throat> Jeff moved and there were still good shows at the chance. I remember, I think the next time a package came through, it had like four today on it or something. Yeah. And I remember just like searching the interwebs and I was like, wow, they haven't even promoted this once. Yeah. Like not once. And it was just crazy because that tour did really well everywhere else. And they just, yeah, they, they didn't know how to do it. It was just him that made a scene in this area. And it was incredible. Going going back to Featured X, I was listening to your show with what we did on the weekend, which is a great listen for anyone who hasn't had a chance to have a listen to it. And you were talking about like the most requested artist um, on the on the platform. Um, I imagine the least requested is Mike Yaff from the Gloom in the Corner, but can you just confirm that one or goddamn right? He is not the least. 
Here's my <laughs> Damn it. Well, I'll, I'll edit that out and I'll ask the question one more He's time. He's the worst, though. <laughs> yeah, the worst. He may be the worst <laughs> on the site. Like, people request him, but that's because if they don't know, Mikey's really good at recording. So he just makes his sound cool, but that guy really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> one day i love you mikey it's all gonna get to him one day <laughs> I, hope I know you know i i hope he knows i'm kidding i i was a fan first before i started harassing him so yeah uh, absolutely you know that was one of the one of the more fun days of this last year i will say though is i had driven to atlanta to work on fit for a king music videos and stuff and I stayed with Jeff and he showed started showing me new gloom songs like pre pro for stuff that they were putting together. And I was just like, this is the coolest shit I've heard in yeah. a really long time, because as much crap as I give them and I don't even know if he takes us well, but it just amazes me because it's like the best like it's the best moments of like Chiodos asking Alexandria and like a heavier band underneath at times. And it's just incredible. Some of the stuff that this guy is capable of. And it's, it's so in depth. The story is so in depth. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm mind blown by that kid all the time, even though I give him shit constantly. Now he's a, he's a it's very, just he has better hair than me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you got a mutual, the phone got a mutual them right before we got on this one. Yeah. Um. Well, that's the thing. Like he's, he's a very, he's a very good friend of the show and we do make fun, but he's, um, he's quite excellent. Um, uh, as a he's going to be a superstar. Yeah. He's going to be a superstar. Um, I, I've had this idea with kind of with heavy music for a while now, and I feel like with featured X, it is now kind of possible. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware of the double XL freshman class in uh, every year. They release a thing of like five to six rappers. I, I am aware and I think I know where you're going with this. And so, I think this is a great idea. So about about a year ago, I, I pitched this idea of doing this double XL kind of heavy music edition where you could get higher, well, in this case, higher on Featured X now, five different vocalists to do different verses on on a song. Now, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we're at the stage where we can actually just make a song through Featured X. Is that a thing at this stage or is that a future plan? Um, we're going to be adding in co-writes as well. Like you can do co-writes with the artists and we just have to change a couple of things and it's really easy, but it's not broadcasted just yet. But we've had artists that we've spoken to that specifically want to just do co-writes and stuff. But there's a lot that we have yet to unveil that we're working on. That's but technically right now, if someone wanted to do that, they could figure out a way of requesting the feature and then just putting in the notes. Yeah. Hey, so if you would want to take this as just a demo and co-write it to finish it out, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And start a conversation, you know, if they approved it and then you could from there, you know, now just drummers and guitars. So you could, it's just not the functionality isn't, built into the site just yet for that directly so with with yeah. that said if i was to construct a song by myself i can't play an instrument for shit but just pretend i can on guitar hero maybe uh and i can i can yeah. get a, get a song out i could hire five different vocalists and maybe i've heard you say in the past that you we could organize a way to get them involved in a music video of some sort and yes release featured x featured double xl yep 100 percent. yeah the music video stuff is easy 
I've done that. I just had another one that I had to set up this week and um, it's pretty simple. You know, the biggest problem right now is having to uh, do it all remotely and have a videographer shoot you at home and stuff because it's not like people are like flying to go do random music yeah. videos and shit um, but we've even done that where like someone was like nah I really want this person like here in this music video it's like alright well you gotta pay for a hotel you gotta pay for the flights you gotta yeah. but if you wanna do that plus on top of what you're paying them to do it no doubt and then we do it so um I, I it's very possible and I think it would be a lot of fun. I think people would enjoy it. Could take off, especially if you're getting some, like if you want to get some up and coming vocalist or to jump on a song and hopefully as you guys have said in the past, kind of draw the audience in to go, Oh, I like that vocalist. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go check out. The, I'm going to go check uh, out. We the should do, the dude, we should do one. Like the, um, that one song that has like Twista and a bunch of people on it where it's celebrity worldwide or whatever. And there's, or, I, what the fuck is that song called? But it's got mad people on it. And then we just get vocalists from all around the planet to do verses. And so, that'd be, oh, that'd be, wild. that'd be super cool. You get like Rio, get Locky, get Taylor. Cause we're biased. Get Mike, <laughs> you know, get like mad cool people. Um, we get uh, Duncan from Fulvidinia, so we can yep. get six yeah, no, South African cool vocalists. That'd be sick. Do you think yeah. that the um the the concept of featured X has, for me at least, I feel like it has a very like a hip hop kind of tinge to it. It's almost like a blueprint because you know you go to you listen to any rap album these days, and there's a lot of features on songs. And I've said in the past, I just I don't think bands can get away with not having a feature on an album now even heavy bands i feel like every every album needs to have some sort of feature just to uh, just for a little bit of a diversity sake is that kind yeah, of anything I, to do with that i really think for me as someone who's just you know comes from the marketing side it's the modern day split cd yeah instead of doing split cds bands should do features um it's just gonna be better off in a digital landscape and it's going to get the effect that you want. Why, why do you yeah, think that there is a, sorry, you're up. Oh, it's okay. I was just going to say the weird thing too, is now, even if you only do like one on a record, it feels like not a lot. Like, yeah, it makes more sense to have more features and to, you know, expand your fan base and have people continue to hear you. Like, I, you know, even there was that reaction video that J I think you sent me, Jeff, or you know, I was watching a reaction video today, and it was of a, a foreign person, and they de they knew landmarks, they were European, but there was a clip of us and then of our song Vendetta, and they didn't know us, but then an August Burns Red clip came up, and they knew August Burns Red. But in my head, I'm like, man, everybody that knows August Burns Red knows Fit for a King, but that's yeah. not true, and that's why collaborations are necessary. Is just even when you think you've done your best to get every person in an area to know you they have it. what do you think a tour is yeah a tour is a collaboration yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's this it's this weird thing like for whatever reason and you know like we've se i've seen videos where like rappers charge you know fifty thousand i've seen rappers charge five hundred thousand dollars for a verse right and i don't think we're quite getting to that level yet on featured x although you could get a few people who might want to charge that fred durst could charge 500 grand and probably will sell a few no but it, I, it's yeah it's one of those things where like i'm i'm interested if it's like lost in heavy music maybe like because hip-hop seems to be trying to build each other up and try to get his everyone's trying to metal get as isn't as into that why yeah, why do you think that is build each other up they, they want to tear everyone down <laughs> 
the hip hop community, they understand their worth and yeah. our community is told that they're worthless. Yeah. Where, where does that stem from? The in music industry. Yeah. yeah. And because there's in rock, even when you had like rock bands that did make a lot of money and were really big, like the ideal or the idea of being like a rock star, quote unquote, isn't necessarily the coolest thing to kids these days. I mean, we're just in this super like emo wave and shit like that. So success isn't is looked at, I think, differently versus back when it was like Motley Crue and bands like that that were trying to achieve like hip hop massive level you know this is before hip-hop this is you know and that's what hip-hop rappers and all the shit kind of became the rock stars like they've got the money they're flaunting it they're going for it they're partying they're doing that whole lifestyle and now rock is just very different it appears very different and i want more people to value themselves and it's astounding that the gap is as big as it is in terms of guest features where you know these rappers that can really pop off in two years can be like yo a hundred thousand dollars for a verse but if i have someone post that they're two thousand dollars for a feature people scoff at it like it's crazy it's like isn't that your favorite fucking band what are you talking about like you get to have that for the rest of your life you get to market that you get to own it it's you're out of your fucking mind but it's a it's a step-by-step thing to get these people to understand I um I saw the um like I've seen some of the prices in that and I was like I've seen something for like five hundred dollars right if you're in a band and you're in a five piece band it's a hundred dollars per person like it's not the biggest yeah. thing in the world it's not it's not like it's coming out of one person's pocket it's not a big dent in the band budget like it doesn't seem like that big of a deal no not at all no and it's like and if you were if you were running the band as a company, you could split the cost between production and marketing. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you get so much out of it and it goes such a long way. And like Tuck says, it's, it's fucking forever. Jeff, when did, where did you get your start in kind of in events and everything like that? You know, you kind of talked about the marketing side and all these events that you've kind of been involved in over the years. Where did it all start for you? Um, well, when I was 17, I booked my first show at just like a DIY hall space type spot. And, uh, I made like a thousand bucks and it was like 268 kids and it was crazy. And I literally was just, uh, kind of had a literal light bulb moment at my friend's house afterwards. And was just like, this is what I'm going to do. And didn't go to college or nothing and just kept booking shows and didn't stop. Yeah. And here we are. Before that, it was just like being like a hustler type kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You said on the uh, What We Do in the Weekend podcast that people in Australia take their instruments seriously. And I always thought there was a bit of subtext to that. Um, Who, like, I'm not going to tell you to name names, but are bands in America not taking their instruments seriously? Uh, I think I, I per I think well I mean there's way more people in America so obviously there's gonna be way more people who don't take it seriously so you know there's a little bit of judgment there but to me what I see is just like yeah just from the Australians that I talk to and the bands that I see and just how many of them are coming out and breaking through like year after year it's just like 
no, like they literally take their instruments seriously. They take practicing and getting better seriously, both individually and as a unit. And most of the bands that I come in contact with and deal with in America just want to party. Yeah. (laughs) I would agree. I think one thing that helps that too is if you're a band in Australia and you want to buy a nice piece of equipment, you want to buy a nice guitar, you're playing a music band or a ding wall or some shit. The cost of that, just because you're from Australia, yeah. substantially more than here, and that's already a two, $3,000 instrument. So we're talking now you're spending three, $4,000 to have this thing. If you get that, your parents buy it for you or you worked all summer to get it or whatever and you don't practice hard you'd be a fucking idiot and i think that that's part of the thing that australia you know really cherishes it and it's the same way that it's amazing to see what australian bands can do over here in the states because like you said there's only so many places you can play or like similar to japan only so many places you can play yeah but when you get over here you could be here for you know four months and play 70 shows and play all these different markets and stuff and those australian bands when they come here they make an impact man it's crazy like when that first alpha wolf show in the states and kansas bro wild shit like from the moment they start it's crazy it's it's one of those things where like i always wonder the perception of australian music because we all think we have a really good scene right now um it's gone through ups and downs over the past probably decade and there's been times where uh-huh. we're like oh who who's going to be that next band and there's been times where we thought a band was coming through and then they break up all of a sudden and we're like oh okay what what the fuck now who are the bands that you see uh from your end that you're going wow like they're they're going to be the next big ones from australia yeah I mean, besides the gloom in the corner. <laughs> yeah, look, you're you're obligated to say that, so we're not allowed to say gloom in the corner. I mean, I think it's obvious that Thornhill to me yeah. will be the next one. To- I think they're yeah. doing really well. Um, in terms of heavy stuff, I'm a big fan of Justice, and I think that if they get marketed properly in the states, that they'll do really well, and they need to get the right tours over here. It's a, definitely harder when you're like a beat down band. Um, but I think that that band can do well. Um, I think, like Jeff said, I do think Gloom will do really well. I think Thornhill will do really well. Um, but it's tough to say. I feel like I'm missing something. There's, al- there's always bands coming why. through, man. Like, um, like there's uh, even like really, really local bands. A band called Waybridge are already making really good noise at the moment. Uh, Void of Vision have uh, already like oh, I've toured really with Void. Shit. Yeah, great, great band, great dudes. Like they're they're one of those bands. And then you kind of got our upper echelon of kind of the the Die Arts and the Trophy Eyes and the uh, the Hellions and those kind of bands. Some haven't cracked it overseas. Some have, and I think that's kind of the barrier sometimes. Like yeah. you know, some bands are really big here, but couldn't sell a hundred tickets overseas. And I think that's you know going over, doing tours, doing these massive tours are kind of the uh, the key to that. Yeah, and it's persistence too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard in the states. We have so many bands, and it's very similar to like okay, if I want to go to Australia. Australia, I, I also don't just want to go on a whim. Like, I want to be on a good tour. Otherwise, I'm not going to go because it's going to be yeah. tough. And for an Australian band to come over here, they need to be on a really good tour. I mean, um, you know, despite uh, whether I like the band or not, but like a good example is Dealer opening that Spite tour. It's great. Yeah. Alpha Wolf opening a Fit for a King tour for their first tour. 
amazing decision you know why because fit for the kings is the best metalcore band on the planet yeah. <laughs> but, you know it it's tough i mean i think it's it's a mixture of this like seriousness that all the australian bands do put into their craft and then by the time that they actually get over here it's incredible to see but yeah it, it it's there you have a lot of bands right now from australia that are really cool and now there's no tours so it's going to be really cool to see who picks what and who comes yeah. over here and tours first i know like we were going to tour with grave mind in uh europe for a minute and then that was one of the many lineups that got tossed um but it's it's a bitch man I, it's tough to say how how it will necessarily play out for a lot of the australian acts do you think States. from a financial co- um cost especially coming out of covid over the next few years do you think there's gonna be less international bands coming to australia just because it's going to be very difficult to kind of warrant coming over because i'm assuming uh, i'm making assumptions here that uh like there's not probably not a massive amount of money to be made unless you're a massive band coming over to a place like australia you're only going to play three to six dates max like do you think bands are going to kind of go and maybe i wait for the next album I, I would presume that you won't get any international touring at all until the mandatory quarantine is lifted. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is, yeah, it's one of those things where unless you're a big band, you either you eat a little money, it's kind of, it's a fun experience. You go to Australia, it's, you know, once in a lifetime thing, maybe, you know, like Fit for King hasn't been there in seven years. Um, yeah. So it's hard to say. Yeah, I think Jeff is very accurate. And yeah, it's it's more of a luxury at this point, unless you're a big band and doing big festivals and maybe tying in a Japanese tour to it or something where you're like, you know, kind of leaping across and shit. Um, I hope so, though. I would love to get over there. Yeah. And you, you personally haven't been to Australia? yet? I have not, sir. No, sadly. It was the last tour the band did before I joined. Oh really? There you go. And then seven years, yeah. seven years later, haven't gone back. Must yes, sir. Was it a bad tour when they went over last time? Or was no, it, just- it was great. We just haven't got a good offer. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, since we're on air, I'll just be like, hey, in Hearts Wake, like you know, we brought you guys over this. <laughs> Where's my offer, baby? <laughs> yeah, I thought we there. had something worked out here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had you come over here, get a guapo, baby. Uh, hey. But that you know. Yeah, it's just tough. You have to get the right offer to make it worthwhile. Love those guys. And <laughs> were amazing to tour with, incredibly kind, and, and loved getting to run around the States with them. Um, yeah, we just haven't had the right offer that's made it worthwhile for us. And, you know, it's tough because when you only – so everyone wants to go tour a Polaris tour. Everyone yeah. wants to go do a North Lane tour. Everyone yeah. wants to do a Thy Art tour, you know, and – that's been in so high demand that those bands can pick whoever they want and they you know so wage war gets polaris over here polaris gets wage war over there that kind of thing and that's really smart and you know both of those bands just hate us so much (laughs) 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 i'm just kidding they're all great but i want to join the party but you know what the thing is you can't have a fit for a king and a wage war at the same time it just has never happened in history um, there you go <laughs> but, 
Yeah, it's a pickle, man, because we have a, there's a lot of competition to try to get on those good Australian tours. And that's why you always have such incredible lineups is because there's so yeah. much to choose from. And it's great to see also how some bands can be really prolific over there, like a Kublai Khan yeah. does very well in Australia. And I love to see that. So hopefully we get to come back and do something wicked over there. I know we have the plans to, but I don't know if it'll work out. Yeah, so some bands come over here and they like they tied in with a festival, and I think some some bands have tied in with two festivals, and then they they do that, and then they do their own headliners, and then they do some supports, and all of a sudden they're doing 12, 15 shows in Australia, which is pretty unheard of for a long time. Like the big Australian kind of pe- thing that everyone looked to was that first Parkway Drive DVD. Um, I don't know if you've seen yeah. it, like that documentary when they're playing in Europe in front of literally no one, and everyone's like, man, like that's a that's a big task to do, but now. Australian bands are going over to Europe and like they're getting on these bills and all of a sudden they're playing in front of a few hundred people on their first night. It's like, whoa, like this is, this is pretty cool. Well, I think part of that is one, um, the booking agencies primarily, I'm, I'll shout out avocado over yeah, there. Um, because Marco and his team really have a great eye for cool new talent. And one of the awesome things that comes along with, um, be like hype is just right now. I think everyone's like, who's that next Australian band because the shit keeps popping off. Like the way that Polaris went from being a band that people knew about to being a big band. was very quick, yeah. a record, two records, but really like by the time that the new record came out, it was like, all right, we're ready. Yeah. And then you see their status in Europe. You see their status in the States and Australia and stuff. It's really incredible. Um, so yeah, Europe just loves Australian bands, man. Yeah, so something just about keep them. getting great tours. Yeah. It's because you're cool, <laughs> enjoyable to tour with. I think when you come from a place that doesn't have a lot of places to play, Australian bands are really enjoyable. I legitimately, like, I rag on Alpha Wolf. I hung out with them the most, for sure, more than my own yeah. band. I hung out with them every day because it was fun. Like, they're just nice. I think they. I think Australian bands go over and they're like, it's such a cool experience. It's so wide. Everyone's like so wide eyed. They're so like, they're like sponges. Everyone wants to, they're wanting to learn things. And I think that, I think other bands take them like under their wing in that sense. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that just happens. In that general. makes sense. Yeah. It's the same way. Like when Alpha Wolf came to the States for the couple of days that we had, um, like John and Mitch, like they both really like to lift. So like yeah. they just came with me to the gym every day. It's just we got black cards to Planet Fitness. So if you have Woo. three guys, we get to bring in three guests. So y'all come in, jump in the Uber because you're you just paid for these visas, all the shit. I know you yeah. don't got money. Like just come hang out with me because you're doing your first tour. And it's so rewarding when you see a band like that come over and they are just trying to adjust and then they play and it's magical like, yeah just the coolest shit ever so that's magical because they take their instruments more seriously yeah <laughs> hey, that band can find it play, all back that's in. for sure yeah hey that's the truth man uh jeff i want to you've posted in the past about the importance of owning your master's um, I kind of want to kind of go into this a little bit, if that's okay, because I'm always fascinated. People, I have to check my soup for one second. That's okay, no stress at all. Uh, <laughs> we'll get the flavor of soup when he comes back. Uh, <laughs> um, how? Why is it so important for people who don't know? Why is it so important to own your own masters? <clears throat> I've seen Kanye West, who I'm a massive fan of, even though he's a little bit kind of left of center at the moment, or right of center, depending if you want to go. Yeah, the political route. this whole yeah. You- 
you know, his whole, I've been saying the master thing for a while. Yeah. And when he went on his whole Twitter rant, I was like, no, like I can, I understand what he's saying. I know that he sounds like a lunatic, but he's 100% on point. Yeah. And basically, you know, just taking like the bands in our scene, like most of the bands in our scene signed their record deals, you know, X amount of years ago. Yeah. Um, so they signed them when it was a physical unit business model. Now it's the streaming business model. And it's so different that applying that same contract to it is why these bands don't see any money from streaming and why they think Spotify rips them off. Yo, first of all, I got a million dollars, man. <laughs> That's not but <laughs> um but um just from lots of research and then talking to some friends who are independent artists and just you know, we're such good friends that they just broke down their business model, told me exactly how much money they made per month from every single different platform and where it went and blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, oh, you make that much from streaming? Oh, wow. But and but it's because it it's like a 10-year or 12-year or 15-year catalog of music so it's their whole career and it's a compounded cumulative thing as you know what i mean and it's like a snowball effect so i just so now applying that to left to suffer i just already see uh you know i see every month exactly how much money's coming in where it's coming from and all that stuff and it's like they're still a small as fuck band but they're already making like two grand a month yeah. from the stream and it's just like yeah no so the to me the business model is, is is instead of getting instead of selling your masters to get money to make art you need to figure out how to make your art and then after 10 years or 20 years then sell your catalog off to somebody who will pay you 10 to 12 X of what you're the last year that you made on it. You know what I mean? So even if it only ends up making a hundred grand in a year, which would be like less than a million monthly listeners, you could eventually sell it for a million bucks if you wanted to. The purchasing of catalogs right now is like a uh, brokerage wall street kind of thing. Just is people with money mm-hmm. man they're just buying it to own it and want to have it um well they see the perfect it's per- yeah. money because of the very similar to like model you're not people. selling yeah you're not selling them something one time it's yeah. perpetuity it's reoccurring income stream forever and if you own your masters not only is it forever but then if you have kids or whoever after you die you can pass it off to them yeah, and it's at this point now where if you so like going back to like what Jeff said with the original contracts that you signed and like even like fit for a king. Okay, we one if we signed the contract that the band did in like 2013 versus if we were a band in the late 90s, early 2000s, the amount of money that we gained was would have been so different yeah. um, because uh-huh. people 
physically bought CDs and all that stuff versus, you know, 2013, 14, you're just still figuring out streaming and shit. Now that those beginner contracts for everyone really don't make you shit. And in the long run, won't make you shit. You're basically doing it for clout in a bank loan. Um, yeah. because of the political game where it's like, well, I can't get a good booking agent without being signed. Okay, so, you know, there's this one analogy where the, the record contract is like the worst loan in history. It's like having the bank give you money to buy your house, paying back the whole loan, and you still only own 15% of your house. Yeah. So now bands and labels are seeing that it is... F- way more advantageous to stay independent so like fit for a king gets through a contract we've got nine hundred thousand plus monthly listeners or whatever right why would i sign away 95 percent of my music unless i'm getting a lot and i still ain't gonna do that so we're gonna go we're gonna switch it up which we did and bands need to just stop worrying about the fucking clout machine and worry about their wallets a little bit because you can get a way better contract you can get money you can get a lot of things but you don't get these things unless you have a fucking amazing manager or you got a real steel set of nuts you know like it's yeah because it's tough out there man but bands are getting wiser to it like jeff said we've had people in our lives that are independent artists that have explained to us means in which they produce and get money you can do the math for yourself on what your band generates and then understand that you should get a a far more uh you know equal share of the pie and it's starting to happen and it's the same way that contracts are going to change and they're not just going to be by records because nobody gives a fuck about records either unless you're in a metal band yeah. um for the most part it's a singles mm-hmm. so i think I, yeah you'll see sure. it as a three-year 30 song contract um but people need to value it's again going back to like similar with featured x people don't fucking value themselves they think they're never going to make any money off music so they sign away all of their rights and all this just such a large majority of their music where they just are basically a glorified t-shirt company for the next seven years while they get through that contract and it's one thousand fucking percent yeah everyone in our scene is just (laughs) way too impatient and they don't want to fucking put in the work so they just want to get signed and have some magic people sprinkle some fairy dust. Was, and and make how them many? Happen. And how many bands have you seen get signed and they get opportunities and they get tours and they get all this stuff and still nobody gives a fuck? Yep. And why? It's because it wasn't gonna pop. It wasn't yeah. gonna pop. So if you're gonna pop, it doesn't matter if you're signed or not. If you focus on something like marketing. You get a couple other cool people on your tracks. You you focus on your algorithms. You really make sure that you're honed in on the right people. It's um, and then it's, if it doesn't pop, then you know that it's there's something wrong. It, but I it think- is fascinating because like I've seen, I've you hear murmurs, right? And I'll just say they're you know they're murmurs, right? And uh, about the the percentage breakdowns that your know, bands get to labels, and it's pretty fun. generally uh it's like a anywhere for for a beginner band it can be as shitty as 12 percent versus <laughs> yep. 88 um but the average is around that you know 15 16 versus you know 86 and it's uh, do you think the um the idea of being an independent band being unsigned is kind of lost on on some bands do you think that that's going to be something that comes a bit more you know, kind of becomes a bit bigger in the future because they'd be like, fuck this. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sign away for this many years. 
I think it's going to become bigger because I'm also finding more and more labels are they're kind of on the hunt because now so before when you know bands could get signed you know roughly off of like 10,000 monthly listeners now it's like 40,000 and those same bands that are getting like 40,000 are getting hit up by all the labels because there's also not a ton so you've got in main competition you've got fearless epitaph sharp tone unified solid state hopeless pure noise equal vision yeah so one band starts to gain hype and then all of a sudden they've got four band labels that are interested in them which if you have that many label those many labels interested in you get a good deal or don't yeah. fucking sign because obviously you're doing something right yeah absolutely keep put keep pushing them and be like well these guys are offering this fucking make up numbers i don't care like just get yourself as good hey, a deal as you can know that right. that shit works man that's how it, that's how the cookie crumbles but now like a my good dear friend ryan kirby uh he manages the band hollow front they just signed a deal but they didn't sign until they got a really fucking good deal and they had a lot of monthly listeners and they have people that care about their band and they know what they're worth because even if they didn't know ryan and Corey were gonna tell them yeah (laughs) right how how common is it you guys would know this more than me is it for record deals to get offered up with without with you still owning your masters is that just a complete rarity is that something that you have to have leverage to actually offer or uh some labels are doing uh, more licensing deals so they're not owning the masters which is really cool it is but i only know of one label that's two labels that are regularly doing that yeah Okay. Yeah. There you go. I just, it's a, it's, it is a fascinating dynamic yeah. of like two that I know of two out of that list that I just listed to you do that. So everyone, go, um, everyone make your guesses down below. <laughs> yeah. But... I would say no, most labels want the whole pie. Yeah. It's worth it to own the pie. And it's, I get it. If I was the bank, I'd want to own at least 50% well, of your catalog too. Why do you think? Well, here's the thing is, and the issue is, is is that everyone in our scene who's in a band, I feel like, just gets told from the moment that they start a band in this scene that, quote unquote, you'll never make money off your music. It's just going to be touring and merch. Yep. You're going to be a road dog. You got to love it. That's what it is. So, But it's like, okay, hold on. If that's the truth why are these record labels being sold for millions and millions of dollars? Like, why are they on the hunt for the whole pie? Because the pie's fucking got some worth to it. You know what I mean? So, bands just need to wake up from this freaking hypnotose, whatever crap that they're under, the spell that they're under. Yeah. Um, and but to go off what Jeff just said too is because of that, and it r- labels were able to take this risk where, and no shade to them, but like you're looking at early rise records, right? Yeah. You sign ten bands to piece of shit deals that are equivalent uh, equ- equal one hundred grand total for the ten deals. I so you take them. <laughs> Hit him against the wall. See who sticks. Okay, we got one sleeping with sirens. All right, fuck everybody else. Yeah, fuck them. Absolutely. We're not going to yeah. do any more records with you. I don't give a shit about you yourself. We got we got the gold star, and it's worth it. And because of the people being okay with these shitty fucking deals, they allowed that to happen where someone can just be like, well, you know what? For every one of you, I get to have 10 others. 
Yeah. And it just no one was appreciating themselves and appreciating their value. It's a very interesting thing to see. And I, I'm glad that it's starting to change. Like I'm hearing about a lot of better deals being offered up. I'm hearing about people doing licensing deals versus owning masters. I'm hearing about more 50 50 splits. People are are getting their value. Um situated and a year like this will make you think about that and consider it and be like well what does my band really do what do we sell what do we stream how much money is coming in and what do i deserve out of it you you make a really good point in the sense that like every if you get told something all your life if you get told that you're you're never going to make money you're, you're going to be as you say, like a t-shirt company you just be, that's you're going to be on the t- the road all the time you're going to end up believing that what is like a i guess Jeff, yeah. you might know this like what is what is a contract 20 years ago and Tucky, you were talking about how much money you would have made if you signed a deal in like 99. What does it, what does a contract 20 years ago look like compared to a contract now? I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. From what I've I didn't discussed, see a record, it, yeah. I didn't see a record deal until, until like 2013. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you know, I heard about, there's some bands I've heard about, luckily, even like through Solid State, where you hear about the money that they were getting to sign hear about the money that they were making off of their records and you know it's it's substantial you know back in the day what it wasn't crazy if someone was going to re-sign after doing really well they get a million dollars yeah you know it wasn't crazy that people could make you know a couple hundred thousand dollars off of record cycles hi honey um off of records um yeah so it's an interesting thing man i i don't i don't have any qualm really with spotify after i've thought about it and digested it more because <clears throat> would my band <clears throat> pardon me would my band generate as many plays without the way spotify works no because they have all these playlists and shit like that so it's actually pretty yeah. cool does it does it suck that they don't pay more yeah but the pay is not awful the awful part is that you don't own any of it yeah so you have to figure out you have to go to the source of the problem which is why do i not own more of my own art yeah which just sounds insane why would you be a musician and not own any of your own music in any, yep. any other occupation, it sounds ridiculous, but for some reason we just kind of take it as fact. In, it's manipulation, in, man. Because yeah. it is, because that's the way it is. Or, yeah. You can't you know do nothing like, without me. That's the way me. things are done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate you, that you would be nothing right? without me. Yeah. yeah I hate that, that mindset. Bullshit. I hate that mindset, and especially in our scene, that mindset is so prevalent. Yeah. Manny. Yeah, now you're seeing it more and more with rap stars and stuff where they're like, I know my worth, I know I'm I what I deserve and they they build it up on their own through things like YouTube and SoundCloud and all of these incredible outlets that they have. So it's the future will look different. Um and they have no choice because the competition is different for labels these days too, I think. Being in a band talk, you you would know about like how hard it can actually be to get someone on a feature for a song. Like sometimes like there is a lot of emailing back and forth and that is was a huge reason for FeatureX just kind of streamlining that process. Yeah, getting rid of the red tape and also um, focusing on like Jeff and I have pushed the self value where um you know, I could your manager and some people for some artists, their managers are, are the people I communicate with and not them. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's part of it. I had to go to a lot of labels and discuss it and just be like, for instance, like the kindest people, sharp tone. I was just like, Sean, I'm making this thing, dude. Like, can I have so-and-so and so-and-so? And he was like, dude, whatever you want. Yeah. Have fun. And I was just like, God bless you. Like, thank you. And, um, I just wanted to eliminate the issues for those people. And it leaves the questions up to like, if, okay, if in so-and-so Mikey wants to sing on a song and he decides, you know what, this one's sick. And I wrote this cool part. I actually want 15% of it. If he needs help, I'll help him do that. If they want him in the music video, I'll help him do that. I'll help everybody to get all the way through the process until it's done. And then it's you do what you want with it at that point. But, um, yeah, we haven't had any negatives and it was just the whole focus was just eliminate red tape and, and give value to everyone who needs value, who needs money during COVID, you know? Yeah. And, and realistically, prior to the site, it was mostly kids and DMs, not even email. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's why for us too, like, say, like Fit for a King doing features and stuff in the past, the reason why it's just always been friends, you know what I mean? So it's not like we have to, like, go out of the way to be like, all right, Fearless Records, will you let us have Jake Lures on a song? It's like, no, let's fucking text Jake. He's going to sing a song. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And, but not everybody has that luxury and Jeff's idea was the one that really sparked it where we were working on left to suffer stuff. And he was like, man, it would be cool if there was just a site that we could, you know, people could just go to and be directly with the artist and get to through to the feature. And, um, I just think it's necessary tool. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense why you would need a, another middleman essentially. The possibilities are endless in that sense. Like, as as you said, you guys are wanting to expand out. I've seen that you guys are going to start introducing like photographers and videographers and graphic designers, which is really, really cool as well. Kind of trying to knock out every aspect of the scene and kind of everything that goes into it, because a lot of bands are kind of, especially during COVID times, they're looking around, they kind of, they're left stranded in that sense. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that with Jeff's management skills is focusing on a complete rollout. And that's one thing he's done really well with his bands over the years. And overall, a lot of bands, they get lost. For instance, they'll get done. They have a song, but then they're like, well, how do I market it? Okay, well, do I do anything else with it? Do I do a merch drop with it? Do we do new promos? Do we do a music video? Do we what do we do? And then they also don't know, well, like, who... Who do we get do to do it? And how do, do we get, and, get you, know, you live in New York City, but do you know that the person that did that music video that you really liked is actually down the street from you? No, you didn't know that. So now we're going to fucking point it out. You know what yeah. I mean? And just, like, make it easier where I'm like, all right, so I've, like, got the song, and I'm going to get Spencer to sing on it, and then I'm going to get my merch made by Jim Hughes, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to get a video done by Zach Mayfield, and I'm going to get, you know, all this, and just figure it out, and then fucking do it. And then it's great. And, you know, and it won't end with just that, too. Like, we want to focus on finding ways to also help people to understand how to market their music better and stuff like that. Like, it's a whole, it's going to be like a big learning experience, I think, for a lot of bands, but it's stuff that we all have needed, including myself, all these years um and it'll just be easier to not have to think so hard about it you know there is always that thing of like who do you email like yeah i'm a, I'm a local band who the fuck do i email if i want to feature from you know cj mcmahon i have no fucking clue you know what i mean like and like having yeah, right. something like this and like you know having a bit more confidence in doing so because there's nothing more you're right you're typing out an email by yourself to go like 
uh, cj.mcmahon at hotmail.com or some shit like that. And now you actually get that process of like, this is a serious request, request. And, you know, CJ, as you said, people are valuing themselves at what they're worth, which is really exciting and giving kind of the artist the power back. Absolutely. And it's cool to see that, you know, like, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be an enjoyable experience for a lot of people. We put out a lot of music this year, which is really cool. I think at the end of the year it was like 86 tracks. And yeah. Yeah. I just want to see more people get interesting with their rollouts and know that there are these possibilities. But yeah, that's the cool thing. Like you hit up CJ. He's going to decide whether he wants to do your song. Yeah. He's going to listen to it. If your song is sick, he'll probably do it. And then you give him money and it's a great exchange and you get to have that for the rest of your life. But that's what I, I just didn't want it to be this like big. All right. Well, all right. He wants to do the songs, you know, so-and-so guy wants to sing on the song, but his label doesn't like the song. So actually he can't sing on the song. Fuck yeah. all that obnoxious. Just you make a decision if you, you do what you want to do. And, you know, people think that there's, you know, because of our contracts and stuff, we're very scared. Are we going to get in trouble? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck that shit. Do what you want to do. You'll be all right. Is there a is there a, is there a featured X like Spotify playlist like con- containing every every song that has like a featured X uh, feature on there? We have somebody start working on one today. Perfect. Like I was gonna say that that's, that mate that writes itself. I was gonna say CDs, but you should do like compilation mm-hmm. CDs. But no one buys CDs, so it's kind of pointless. But you might, maybe yeah. a, maybe a limited vinyl run. We'll I know, but there's a bunch of Australians who love it. Oh, cassette, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be the Jeez. best. What's what's the end goal? Like, do you have like? Is it just kind? Of, are you just rolling with the punches at this stage, or is it? Are you are you just gonna keep doing it until you get that like white whale of an artist on here? Like, is there an end goal for this? I mean, the, you know, it, basically we want every sort of creator and type of person that's involved with anything in our scene to all be available to one another so that we can uplift the scene as a whole, I would say, make yeah. everything better. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, realistically, that's the that's the end goal is the community part and uplifting the entire community so that more bands can break out of our scene absolutely more consistent more consistently raise up yeah raise us up whichever ups do the other kind of thing you know and we got to see some more legitimate artists that were from different subgenres utilizing each other and that gave me a lot of hope where it's like okay like this isn't just going to be for small bands like this can be for anybody there are those there's so dude there's so many white whale artists for me yeah. that it's never ending and i'm gonna pursue them like a hawk and until the day that anthony green acknowledges my fucking blue check mark <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> you know what though he, he ended up doing a really cool thing where after i have hollered at him a couple times he took just open submissions and sang on a bunch of stuff so god bless yeah. his heart he's the greatest and I have so many artists I want to work with. I want to see artists get bigger. I want to see people take more ownership of their stuff. And um, I just have really enjoyed connecting with so many more of my peers in our community and just trying to do something different, man. Like Jeff had a cool idea and we got lucky and we got a bunch of cool people that have backed us so far and sky's the limit man who knows you know where it will end or how it can go but we got a lot of cool ideas i think to keep us moving and for those who uh, if you're listening and you're in a band and you're not too sure about like 
where do you go? And like, I guess the price range without naming names, of course, where does it, where's the price point start and where does the price point end? Do you have like, do you know what the most expensive featured X uh, price is? Yeah. $3,500. 3,500. Is that? Uh, that's US dollars. Yeah. Um, so, and the cheapest is like 50 bucks. Yeah. So like- it really ranges. Um, and well, yeah, like previously we had one that was more expensive. The most expensive one we ever sold was $4,000. Yeah. Um, but it really does range, but that's the thing is you like, it's an investment. Yeah, absolutely. And it does help a lot of bands to be able to get out there. So just be smart. Don't think about always necessarily, um, like see if you can ride off the hype of something. So say if you know, alpha wolf's going to put out a new song, like you've been seeing like, okay, teasers and they got a new record coming out or whatever. Like we're looking back in time and this is before the new record came out. Right. Yeah. Go get Lockie on a song, time it. So right when their records pop in and coming out and everyone's like, pop, 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 you put out your song and everyone's like, holy shit, that's also fire. Man. Mm-hmm. You know, like just, there's so much exactly. cool shit you can yeah. do, man. Like there's so much cool shit you can do. Ride off of each other, ride for each other. Like we, we need to support each other. And overall we can raise our individual values and raise the value of the community and the scene. So. Absolutely. Uh, just a few more questions before we get out. Uh, just a nice couple of easy ones. Uh, people say this one isn't easy. If you were to join Slipknot, what would your Slipknot mask look like? Holy shit, that's a good question. <laughs> Yo, honestly, I'll tell you right now, if I was to be Slipknot, man, I'd be wearing some fine-ass bitch as a mask. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I have, like, some fat-ass booty on my face, man. No <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, she's, like, dreadlocks, like, but, like, the booty is here. And then, like, <laughs> her legs, her legs on the side, my head. No, I, it, man. Uh, <laughs> Mine would I was fully with that as well. Mine, yeah, I think that, could, that would be cool. I would be the alien. The alien. I, I oh, absolutely. That's yeah. very Jeff. Yeah. And get the little, the little guy coming out shooting flames as well. Like, go fully, go full into it. That oh, be- yeah, that, that could be cool. Or it could be, I, like, a zombie alien. I just want to be green, man. It's always sunny. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's perfect. I love that. Um, We're going to play a little little game before we get out. Uh, You guys know Family Feud, right? Yeah. Oh, love it. You Steve Harvey fan? Absolutely. Uh, I prefer Family Fight, the It's Always Sunny version. <laughs> theme, but yes. Oh. We, go where. we don't have Steve Harvey over here. We got someone named Grant Denya. He's about, he's almost as short as Mikey, but not quite as short. Um, <laughs> we still brought it up. <laughs> but I found a way. Uh, not as good as Steve. Uh, I'm going to ask a question, uh, but say your name to buzz in. Whoever gets the higher point gets the uh, gets the win for the uh, for the round three rounds. We'll see how we go. Okay. Next, name something people take to bed with them. Tuck. Tuck. Uh, water. Water is the third top answer with 17. Can you beat that, Jeff? Cell phone. Oh, number four with 10 points. So Tuck gets Fuck the <laughs> The number one, I don't know who they were who they were asking, but the number one was Teddy Bear. So maybe a bunch of kids were getting asked for that one. Yo, I ain't no little bitch, man. I ain't got no Teddy Bear. <laughs> yeah, booty man ain't no bitch in this new Slipknot Yo, member. No, Only thing I'm bringing to bed with me is my bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Is this your like little tuck man, like your SoundCloud rap alter ego? Yo, Hustle Crow. <laughs> you 
the guy dropped the Russell pick up the hustle. You know what I'm saying? Y'all from Australia, you dig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cross. Breaking round of oil. <laughs> That's a great episode. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Tugboat. Um, uh, question number two: Name something you need to put up a tent. Poles. Huck. Oh, you, you wait, Jeff. What did you say? Poles. Poles is number two with thirty-five. Tuck. There is one more answer higher. Can you get it? Tarp. <sighs> no, the fourth top answer is tarp. Number one is pegs. Oh. So sh- I can get- make a funny peg joke, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> and the deciding one, uh, name something you might see at the Olympic Games. Tuck. Yes. I just said my name first. I don't actually have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you can buzz in if you need. Athletes. Number one answer is athletes. Thank you very much. Jeff Jeff is the Family Feud featured ex-champion of the world. You get some title title belt for uh, for your troubles. This doesn't represent me. (laughs) Uh, Just just before we get out, a couple of quick ones. Jeff, uh, are you happy with the Royal Rumble winners? Oh wow! I am. Ex- I was. Yeah, I was happy that Bianca won. I was very upset. Very upset that Edge won. Okay, are, are you like the uh, the push the new talent kind of wrestling fan, or are you like a, not never a fan of, of Edge? I've net. You know, I've always respected him, but I was never a fan of his at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always, growing up, I always saw the Royal Rumble as that event to like set the stage for the next big star yeah, type thing. Like Drew last year. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It just, <laughs> I'm just like, he's been gone for eight months and he just shows back up and he yeah. looks old and he starts one and all of these things just happen to happen. It's just like, <laughs> come on. I used to watch I, The I, Miz on MTV. On, on, on Real World? Yeah. Here's the thing. Was he likable back then? I hadn't, he was great. I hadn't watched a single lick of WWE since Money in the Bank. Oh, really? They, I watch the pay-per-views. That's all I watch now. Like, it's all I, it's no, all I can put, keep up with in that scene. When he was on The Real World, he was The Miz, and he wanted to be The Miz, and he was all about it already. Like, that dude's been on yeah. in since day one. Like, yeah, and he made joke. it happen. Yeah, yeah it's he, really, he, really inspiring, honestly. Well, and was, when he first... And when he first joined the WWE, he was not treated well by the rest of the wrestlers. Like... Really? real bad hazing type shit and just total disrespect uh but he just kept going and kept going and kept going to the point now where they've kind of ruined him again over the last year but there was a while like two or three years ago where i caught myself being like i fucking think the miz is awesome <laughs> and I'm like, i can't believe i'm fucking saying that uh jeff and tuck featured x um if you are an up-and-coming band if you just want to start a double xl featured x style uh hardcore edition or if you just i don't know just want to buy a feature for the sake of buying a feature go to featuredx.com um i would i would buy 
probably Aaron from Jesus Peace is probably my number one at the moment. Um, I was just looking at it last night. Got a couple of like Monster Flames guys who's really exciting. Got a ton of Australian artists, which is awesome. Um, I'd love Booker on a, on a few choruses as well. I think she adds such a cool dynamic to just about I'm any a big song make she's them on. Suffer fan, oh, so just Ether the best, is man. one of my favorite metalcore yeah. songs of the last ten years. Their their catalog is one of. I think it's the most consistent in, in Australian heavy music. I really do. It's so, so good. And they're from, they don't get the credit because they're from Perth, which is just so far away. It just seems like sometimes, man, like that ice nine tour that they were supposed to do with us in the States. Yeah. You don't even know how big that would have been for them. Like it, that was a massive tour. Like so many dates were sold out. If not like the whole fucking thing, like, yeah, it was crazy, bro. Like that band just deserves better. Oh, absolutely. And the new record's amazing. Like they just, they just keep killing it, man. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thanks for giving up your time. Of course, it's 6 p.m. Or well, it's probably nearly close to 7.30 p.m., I'd say, over in the States right now. It's 10 a.m. Yep, in Australia. Time zones uh, be damned. Uh, we're still getting it done. Is there anything you guys want to say before you get out? This was an absolute pleasure, man. You're hilarious. And thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Seriously. Best questions yet. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Yeah, you're. And dude, you research, man. Like that's it's great. It was, I appreciate this was such it. a pleasure of a show. That was scary, but good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. just next time you go to Poughkeepsie, Jeff, just make sure you uh, walk with <laughs> sleep with one eye open, okay? Yeah. Nah, I'm protected there. It's good. <laughs> you, got, you, you got shooters up there for you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so easy, guys. I love it. I appreciate you guys right. taking the time. Have a great day. Awesome. It was a pleasure. See you, man. See ya.